0: Yeah. I thought you told me this guy was going to be on the plane. That's the information we got, Jimmy. That's the information we got. I'm going to tell you something. I want this guy taken out, and I want him taken out fast. You and that other dummy better start getting more personally involved in your work, or I'm going to stab you through the heart with a fucking pencil. Do you understand me? You got it, Jimmy. Tony. He ain't mad at me, is
1: Good morning, good people. Um, you're listening to another episode of Dude and a Monkey. This is episode 28. I'm Mark Foster, and as always, I am joined by my host.
2: Yeah, Loring. how are oh you guys? And
1: today we're going to head into the neon wonder of Only God Forgives. It's Nicholas Winding Reffin's follow-up to Drive, although it's not hot follow-up. And again, he's bringing Ryan Gosling along for the ride. You've also got Christopher Scott Thomas and some other people within that we're also going to be looking at our one old and one new and um, then we're going to get back into the spike early marathon with his biopic malcolm x um, as always if you've got any feedback sent to the show it's dude the monkey at gmail.com uh, at dude and the monkey on twitter or at ian lauren on twitter or at dude post on twitter is there anything you've got to add at the start of the show
2: uh No. No, I don't think so. Um, sorry, I was just looking at... Ooh, blind Charlie, that would was be fucking my phone. On my laptop. <laughs> Blimey. Um, I take it, have you been through the Dude and the Monkey inbox deleting some stuff? No. Oh, uh, okay. It's just like, we've apparently not had any mail at all in the inbox since July the 5th. Yeah, I've not,
1: no. I've not been into it.
2: Okay. Considering the amount of fucking... Oh, do you know what? It's because it's fucking spam and shit in there as well. Okay, fair enough. Anyway, sorry. Um, no, I've got nothing.
1: Cool. Right then. Uh, I suppose we we might we might as well <laughs> dive. Um, the thing is, is there, there's, there's been not a lot sort of going on other than Comic Con shit, really, haven't there? <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, mm. we'll dash straight in then, Ian. Uh, what trailers have you been watching, buddy?
2: Uh, trailers 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 okay so yeah it's been a while since we last recorded i I would say if people want to hear our thoughts on the old boy trailer uh listen to the pacific rim episode 35 millimeter heroes uh uh, but i have seen the trailers for seventh son which is the jeff bridges fantasy thing where he puts on a silly voice and it looks really really forgettable But who knows? Um, Saving Mr. Banks, which is the big Disney Oscar hope for the year, which is essentially Tom Cruise trying... uh, Not Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks basically trying to woo Emma Thompson. And, uh, like, to... Even uh, to give him the rights to Mary Poppins, whatever. I'm sure it'll be two and a half hours long and prestigious. Yeah,
1: it it does look dull.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, And, you know, I'm sure... They'll both get acting nominations and it'll probably get a best film nomination, but we'll you know, we'll see. Uh How to Train Your Dragon 2, fun teaser. Doesn't really give anything away about the plot, which is nice. Uh Twelve Years a Slave, which looks surprisingly conventional for um Steve McQueen, but um no less interesting and the cast is fantastic. Mm. Uh the fifth uh the fifth estate, which uh I think Cumberbatch is probably going to get an Oscar nomination for, as long as the film isn't complete shite. Uh, bu- 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 bum, the, that longer Kick-Ass 2 trailer, where it has now become evident that they are going to be sexualising Hit-Girl, so that's going to be... It's a
1: very long trailer, that, isn't it? I started watching it before it was... the show, and it's, just, it's four and a half minutes long.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was done for Comic-Con, they just decided to release it anyway. Um... I mean y y I mean fair play to Universal. They're they're really, really amping up the marketing for Kick Ass too. There's already like ads on on sites and I've seen the trailer quite a lot. Um so they are they are putting their the muscle into it, but um we'll see. I, I, I still don't think we needed a sequel to Kick Ass, but you know, mm. we'll see. Um Uh, Red Band for Riddick, which looks like it should have come out in the 90s but looks fun, I think we've already said that before. Uh, Two others uh, Catching Fire, Hunger Games which looks good Um, I I, I like the Hunger Games I'm looking forward to that. And finally uh, some sort of like weird sales trailer thing that's kind of leaked online, I don't think it was supposed to be online for uh, Zero Theorem which is uh, Gilliam's latest one which looks like Brazil
1: (laughs) I've not watched it yet, but um I don't know. I'm I'm gonna try and hold back and wait till like an official trailer drops.
2: Yeah, fair enough. Um I don't know. It, it it's it, Christoph Waltz looks pretty good in it. Uh it definitely looks like a fucking Gilliam film. Um and uh we we'll, we'll i mean it, it's one of those ones where it could be really good or it could be a mess. So
1: You we'll often see. sign that I think with Gilliam that the, the ideas are there, it's whether or not he can make a coherent vision out of it.
2: Yeah, 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 exactly.
1: Cool. Uh, I don't think trailers wise i have got anything other to add to that. Um, I'm gonna stop watching trailers for Rush because every time I watch a trailer, it makes me not want to watch the film, and I actually want to watch the yeah, film.
2: Yeah, I, I, I've been hearing that about Rush. I've, I've avoided that second trailer like
1: the yeah, plague. It, it, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I want to watch the film, but I'm not. I'm just not convinced by the trailer, so that's it for me and trailers for Rush. Um, Other than that, no, nothing. Uh, We watched another trailer for The Counselor. Um, Oh, yes. It still looks good, but I'm very wary of Ridley Scott now, to be honest. Uh, Other than that, no, nothing nothing new trailer-wise. So I think it's been a lot of... It's it's been a lot of Comic-Con stuff these past couple of weeks, is not it? So, Yeah. yeah. Pretty right, uh, we shall play you a clip now from uh, Only God Forgives, which, of course, arrived on video on demand in the States on Friday the 19th. Uh, and myself and Ian, I think, did you watch on iTunes? Uh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. we're going to play you a little trick.
2: 6 dollars $6.99. Oh, yeah. man, $6.99. Uh, that's that's insane.
1: Uh, I mean, we'll probably have a, let's have a little let's, let's have a little quick conversation about this, because that's... It's a very strange idea because not they didn't need to release Only God Forgives that early in in American VOD, you know, appointatively like two weeks before they released it in cinemas across Europe. So it just it does seem very strange uh, that they've decided to do that. And then when I looked at it and thought, I thought it was going to be like twelve ninety nine or something like that.
2: Yeah, totally premium. Yeah, price, yeah. and I'd
1: have been, you know, I'd have been perfectly happy to have paid that. And then when it wasn't, I was a little bit, oh, I'm not fucking complaining, but that's that's like four quid. Yeah, yeah,
2: no, absolutely. It's the
1: price um, for cinema ticket.
2: Yeah, I mean that that's the thing. It's it's cheaper to what? Yeah, it's cheaper to watch it on VOD than it will be to pay for it in Cineworld when it comes out in a couple of weeks. It's. Very, very, very surprising. And it, I mean, the copy looks good as well. The HD copy yeah. looks good. I
1: mean, I, I, yeah, well, we'll we'll get into it. Uh, yeah, so yeah, here's yeah. the trailer for Only God Forgives. Ask
0: him why he killed my brother. Pay Did you get the guy that did it? It's a little more complicated than that, mother told you, has he? There was
2: someone else involved. Some cop. You can't go around killing cops anymore.
0: I know after your father, I said I'd I'd never ask you again. Don't let him hurt me. Good morning, I'll find them, and then we'll kill them. For him. But that's not what she said. What did she say? She said to kill them all. Who we'll put out the hit? It pains me to say this to you. He's a very dangerous boy.
1: Okay, you just the trailer for Only God Forgives, which was directed by Nicholas and rethin and he's back-teaming up with Ryan Gosling, who two years ago brought us Drive, which I think was both mine and Ian's number one film of 2011. Uh, was it was indeed mine, certainly yes. mine as well. Uh, it's an absolute modern-day masterpiece. Um, mm-hmm. So the big question there was, what would happen with Only God Forgives? One of my most anticipated movies of the year. Uh, so, Ian... What did you think of Only God Forgives?
2: Yeah, so I mean, I I came to Only God Forgives slightly wary because you know the the reaction out of Cannes had been generally poor, even though Peter Bradshaw had given it five stars in the Guardian. So you know, it, it wasn't universally poor reaction, and I, I I mean I I think Drive is a bit of an anomaly in Reffin's yes. career because. You know, an awful lot of his stuff is experimental and it is arty. Yeah. And I mean, Drive hit some sort of zeitgeist. It's use of music, it's use of Ryan Gosling, and you know, and, and the cast in general. Uh, and the the kind of the genreiness of the plot meant that it kind of broke through commercially. Uh, whereas I mean, only God forgives it does feel like they've 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 taken the cachet of Drive and you know, they've basically been given a few million dollars and been told, look, do whatever the fuck you want. It's it's you to just do whatever mm. you want. Yeah. Yeah. And and they've made a wildly uncommercial film that does pretty pointedly stick its finger up at anyone who's expecting drive yeah. two. Um And I, I personally, I, I really, really, really liked it. Um, it's it's a film I I I am planning on seeing again on the big screen when it does come out in a couple of weeks because that is a film that I think would do very well in a very dark room with big sound and a big screen uh which we'll get into but um yeah I mean my my initial thoughts were I very very much liked it I can I can understand why people wouldn't get on board with it but I do think that not a part of not being on board with it. Well, on board with it is a part of expectation.
1: Uh, Mark. Yeah. Um, what I'd say is, if you go into um, Only God Forgives, uh, saying you know, looking at it and saying, "Oh, great, this is from the director of, of Drive, from the people who brought you Drive," uh, then you're going at it from slightly the wrong angle. If 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 you're Nicholas Winding-Reffin experience is Drive and that's it, then this is going to throw you very, very off, off, off course because this sure. is a lot more akin to Valhalla Rising and Bronson than it is Drive. It's, it, it very much is an arthouse movie. Nicholas Winding-Reffin, like you, you, you say it brilliantly, with, with Drive, it's a bit of an anomaly in his career. It, it just kind of happened and it, it seemed like there was, there was a story that caught his idea, rather than a vision that caught his idea, um, that caught his imagination, excuse me, say, um, that, that brought it in. So what it seemed like with, with, with Only God Forgives is he, he was, it's a lot of shots and he, he's got an idea of how he wants it to look, whereas Drive, there was more of a story there to tell. I'm not saying there isn't a story with Only God Forgives, because I think there is. I think people, I've seen a lot of that, that there's no story there. And when I was watching it, I was thinking, well there, there quite clearly is a story there um it's you know it's there there's a story there, uh, so that I found that a little bit a little bit strange but it it, it <clears throat> certainly is it shows that Nicholas Wakin has no care or concern or anything about commerciality at all. He doesn't care if his films are make money uh I think he, 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 he Doesn't even really care if people don't like them. Not saying that I don't think that I think he likes the fact that people do like them, but he's he's going to make a movie as he as a vision as he sees it and how he wants it to be. And if people like it, brilliant. If they don't, he doesn't care because he knows that there will be probably a smaller group of people that will like it. And
2: I mean, he's he's already said in interviews he doesn't he doesn't mind if people hate it he's he's just a guy who he wants people to either really be into his films or not connect with them mm. at all but to not have any kind of reaction is the worst yeah exactly bit. i mean it, it, it's it's the last one trio school as, even though the, the those two it, it's weird those two have a kind of a similar kind of relationship with critics and the or, and the audience i think even though apparently they don't like each other very much uh, and I mean, it, it, it's it's the same. It's the middle of the roadness. It's the Sean Levy reaction that they are uh, they would not be happy yeah, with. Yeah, it,
1: it, it's I, I mean, I what I would say though is I I absolutely fall into the the category of I'm completely on board with everything that Nicholas Winding Refn does. He is he's not pushed out anything that I haven't quite simply loved and I adore Bonnie Boney kids Um, I was. I was less apprehensive I think than 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 a lot of people seem to be after all the bad negative reviews because my view was it was do you know what? I I I I don't really care that much if other people don't like it. I,
2: I my my only thing was I have a bit of a i i i have a bit of a, a low tolerance for people basically bollocking around like with with Pretentious material, even though I mean, I suppose my uh, my thoughts on a field in England could uh, like uh, might have some people saying, "Oh, really?" <laughs> but it, it it you know, but I I I don't think that film was pretentious. I don't think Only God Forgives is pretentious either. I think it's got a wicked sense of humor about it, while also being incredibly dark. And it it I I, I don't know. I mean, I I I was just more worried because I kind of thought, "Oh shit, if this is." just 90 minutes of ref and just bollocking about i don't i don't know it's it's difficult to to like maybe believing his own hype a little bit too much i think would be my my thing like but then i don't think he is because again like you, this isn't drive 2 this is something completely different he's not resting on his laurels he he's and I mean, the, the thing with Only God Forgives, I, I agree that there is a story, even though I do think it's a slight one. But the, the, the thing with Only God Forgives is, I think it's one of those rare films where the style actually makes the substance. Hmm. I think that the the world building through the the, the 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 visuals and the audio are what informs what he is trying to say more than most of the dialogue. I mean, the only character with any dialogue that really gets into anything meaty is Kristen Scott Thomas, Thomas's character. I mean, like, Gosling spends the first, what, 20 minutes of the film basically having, what, like, psychic visions of the fu- of, of his future or something like dr- dreaming of the, uh, of the cop. Mm. You know, and, and you know, and the whole kind of chopping the arm off motif that comes back uh, at the end of the film, um, and, and barely doing anything—he's just reacting to things. I mean, frankly, he goes through the film reacting to he, things. He, he, he,
1: well, just to give you an idea, um, and remember, guys, we are all spoilers all the time. Um, although there's not really, I don't think that much to spoil in this film. But anyway, um, so we are all spoilers all the time. So if you are going to watch, going to go for Gibson, then just sort of, you know, plus fifteen through. Um, the idea is the story is, is you've got um, Julian and Billy are brothers and they run a boxing club in Bangkok and Billy is killed earlier in the film and Billy and Julian's mother Crystal comes over to Bangkok to try and get vengeance and revenge. Um, Billy is killed by a what we find out is a cop. I don't think he's. I, it It's very unclear whether or not whether he's a corrupt cop or whether or not he's just allowed to do what he does uh,
2: well i i mean well i mean it's it's important to note, note though that he doesn't kill Billy. oh no he doesn't he allows someone else to kill Billy yeah but then then in one of the most interesting moments of the film then like confronts that person
1: he, he he's more pissed off with that guy for allowing the situation it's like that it your daughter wouldn't have been killed if you wouldn't have done if if you wouldn't have let her go into prostitution. Um, so that's it. I mean that is the story. Let's say it is quite a loose story, but Gosling maybe would it be a push to say he has his lines maybe going at a double figures possibly?
2: I I was thinking probably about 14-15 Yeah, he,
1: he says very very little. It's a lot of very sort of pensive glances and a lot of a lot of Gosling kind of doing what what. What Gosling does, really, uh, he's—you get the feeling that he's very much trusting of of Nicholas Winding Refn, and we know from Drive because it was it was Gosling who brought Drive onto, uh, brought Drive, uh, brought Winding Refn onto Drive. Um, he handpicked him to be in the film, so to direct the film. So it, it seems very much that with Gosling that he's he he, he absolutely trusts in. Uh, Reffin's idea and Reffin's vision for it all
2: and, and, I mean I, I, I think it's very much uh, on, on Reffin's side it's very much modelled on Gosling because I mean um, it, it, uh, Luke Evans was originally going to be in, in the Ryan Gosling role and he dropped out like um, while I, I think it was actually while Reffin was um, at Cannes with Drive um, he dropped out because uh, he went. he, he was going to be in The Hobbit and I par and, and and so I mean I I've, I've got to assume if this was a film with e- Luke Evans in it I think it would be a different film I I I I think that the whole Gosling walking like the whole kind of walking around and the staring and all that kind of stuff I don't imagine that would have been Luke e- um Luke Evans I think. Reffin saw something in Gosling, and with the success of Drive and, and and Tailored, only God forgives into something more arty and experimental. Yeah, I,
1: I think what we could definitely end up seeing with with Gosling and Refin is very much a Herzog Kinski kind of thing, where they will go and do other things, but I would think that this this won't be the last time they work together. I I, I could see this being one of those cinema. Sort of friendships that continues for years to go on. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I,
2: I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think Gosling gets the same kind of thing out of Reppin as he does out of uh, Derek, Derek C. En France, where he's scratching a kind of uh, a, an actory itch to push himself and to do, to do something of worth. I mean, you look at something like Crazy Stupid Love, which apparently. Like I I I believe I read an interview with Gosling saying that basically he did that film because he wanted to work with Steve Carell. Like he would have done any uh, he would have done any film to work with Steve Carell, which just so happened to be Crazy mm. Stupid Love, you know. And and, and and I mean that film these days is a bit of an anomaly for for um for Gosling because I mean like the start of his career he was doing um uh, what well, I mean he did The Notebook um. And my mind's going I mean, he, blank.
1: He, he, he started off, the first sort of big thing I was drawn to to Gosling was 2001, was, uh, The Believer. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 then he, you know, he had Remember the Titans, The Believer. Um, and he kind of, he flitted between doing studio movies and doing independent movies. And then kind of after Notebook, he very much went down the independent route.
2: But I mean, the thing is, like, he's he's getting to he's getting to kind of have his cake and eat it now. I mean, like you look at a film like Place Beyond the Pines, which is two and a half hours long, but it just so happened to have starred him and Bradley Cooper, which got it a lot of attention. And that film did really, really, really well, like commercially and critically. And you know you know he got a good thing out of that and you know he got a good thing out of only god forgives he had an experience on only god forgives and i mean that i mean going going back to the film itself i mean he is very he is very good in this um but unlike drive i wouldn't say he's one of the like major major highlights of the piece um he he is what he is i mean like again in interviews he said that he basically played this as like an avatar he just he goes through it, and like i was saying, like he reacts to things. That's that's all he's doing. He's kind of he's basically kind of a cipher here. And I mean, like even I mean, it really made me laugh. But like where you think his big hero moment's gonna come in, that the, the, the yeah. fight with the with the copper, and then he just gets the shit kicked yeah. out of him. Yeah. You know. And I mean, also that goes to show a good amount of. Self-knowing about Gosling, where he is prepared to subvert his image like that. Like, I mean, like Christ, if you had, I don't know, if like if, to be honest, if you had Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise wouldn't get like, the shit kicked out of the it,
1: film. No, 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 exactly. He'd be
2: like, no, I'm not if doing that. Did,
1: if he did, if did later on, he'd have to kick the shit out of him later on. He'd maybe yeah. get.
2: Well, it, it, yeah, it would be kind of like, and then he's gonna rise and just and just kill everybody kind yeah. of thing. Whereas with this, I mean, after that, you've still got about fifteen minutes of the film left, and it's an awful lot quieter, and it's it's I mean, it's rather dark, and then it, I mean, it ends with the police chief singing karaoke after a very very, I mean, what the fuck did you make of the ending? With the arms stretched out, yeah, yeah, uh, I... <sighs> and like in the forest.
1: The thing is, is after any time um, the. The, the cop, um, which I'm, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his name. Uh, uh, I think no, no. it's Vittaya something. He's the P. I'm not going to attempt to... And he, he's very, very menacing in this film. You know, He's yeah. incredibly... I, menacing is the only word I can come up with, really. He's, he, he's a little bit terrifying. Any anytime yeah. after he does something that would be deemed violent or possibly excessive, the next scene is him singing karaoke. So, yeah. did he cut off Gosling's arms? Did he cut off Gosling's head? Don't know. Did he Did he not do anything to Gosling? Maybe not. Don't know. It's very much. Refin wants people to make their own decisions about what 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 happened there. He's not he's not bothered about a resolution. Uh, it, it, yeah, it, I'm, the, I'm... The, the, the what you've seen is. I think Reton has this thing where he doesn't want the whole story of his film to be what you've seen. he wants He wants everybody to make up other bits of it and to piece together the other bits of it to create their own film. The, what you see is what he's showing you and saying this is this is the story now you you interpret the film and make you make the film out of it.
2: I mean, I, I, to be honest, I mean, I, I was just assuming that it was it, Gosling's character basically giving himself up to it, just like, you know, his mater, maternal influence is killed off and like that kind of hold over him it is taken away. And I mean, like he he does seem to have quite a bit of, I'm not sure if I really want to do this throughout the film. And then once his mother is gone, he's kind of free to make up his own mind that his Oh, I mean, mine chooses to have his arms cut off by the, by the copper. You know, uh, that, that, at least that's that's my interpretation of it. But I, I, I mean, uh, if we move on to the mother character, I suppose, I mean, like Kristen Scott Thomas is great. She's always great, isn't she?
1: I don't think Kristen Scott yeah, Thomas yeah. gets the the acclaim that she actually deserves. I mean, she gets she gets Man, lots I mean, of acclaim, but she she very much made a decision. At some point in her career, to go, I'm going to do whatever films I want to do.
2: And basically, that is, I'm going to be in French yeah, films
1: because she speaks fluent French.
2: Yeah, and I mean, she is good in them. I mean, I mean, she's she's very, very good in this. And, and I mean, like, she really gets her teeth into it. And I mean, some of the stuff she has to come out with is pretty crazy. But you know, and, and but I mean, fair play to her for doing it again not a lot of actresses maybe of her age as well who you could get to do that. Yeah,
1: especially of, of, of her... Because I think a lot of the time with people have a... Have a you know, because they haven't seen her her French work. a lot of people won't have. Um, the, there's this vision of, of Kristen Scott Thomas taken from stuff like Falling the Funeral and The English Patient and films yeah. like that. They don't realise that she's actually quite a... She throws herself into films and she... She does a lot of very interesting things, and she, she's quite clearly she's enjoying playing this character in this film. She's enjoying playing this this matriarch who, you get the feeling that well you know it's very pointedly said that she's she got Julian to kill her husband, and oh, yeah. there's also this has she had <laughs> some kind of sexual relationship with both of her kids. It's, def- well, it's definitely, definitely Yeah, like, Jesus um, Christ. Uh, and there's all that, and she, she plays with it very well. And let's like say she seems to en- enjoy this side of you know of, of her career. And again, it wouldn't surprise me if if she went to um, if if she sort of looked for this role and went to Refin and said, "I'd like to work with you," and he was like, "Oh well, great, because I've got this for you." Well- well, I mean,
2: apparently the story... Again, I've been reading a lot about this fucking film. But I mean, the story was that that he they sent her the script and she was like, what the fuck is this? No. And then she got to send it again. And again, she was like, who the fuck keeps on sending me this? And then apparently, like, Refn actually, like, got in contact with her and said, look, I really do want you to do this. Just give it a chance and, like, think about it, you know? And, and then, and I mean, like, when it, turned, it came to... Filming, like she she said that she had she she has a difficult time watching the film now, but she did enjoy uh, turning on, as they call it, her bitch switch. <laughs> uh, which, which yeah, which is fantastic. But, but I, mean, I mean, Jesus Christ! I mean that that scene, the dinner scene, is. I mean, I mean like Christ, we were talking about that uncomfortable dinner scene in Jungle Fever. I mean, this is an uncomfortable dinner yeah, scene. Yeah,
1: it's the fact that that he doesn't react to any of it at all. The fact that he just accepts that this is going to happen and that that's just his mother. And the fact yeah. that that she doesn't, that the, um, May doesn't kind of, doesn't seem all that bothered by it, really. She's kind of very accepting no. of it. And then she corrects her when she, when she gets her name wrong. And with that, kristen got someone kind of, carries it kind of goes, all right, I actually quite like this girl. You know, yeah. she's prepared to, she's prepared to sort of take me on a little bit. I'll, and then she apologises to her. But uh, well, she makes it very, mm. very known throughout the film that she doesn't seem to really like Julian. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I thought she was, she was incredible in this movie. She's just so, she, she's the only, like I said, she's the only character who really. Says anything. There's, there's 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 very very little dialogue in this movie, at all. It's it, mm. it's a lot of of beautiful shots strung together to create the film, which 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 does which is very art house. And it, this is this is an art house film. And the yeah. thing about it is, I think with the fact that it's it's divided sorry people is with art house films they're not just they're not just intelligent cinema. You can have a very stupid art house film. But you either get along with art house cinema, or it, it, it's just it's too much for you. It's too of itself for you, and it's that's not a that's not a criticism. That's not saying oh, well, you know, you, you've got this, you've got this split where you've got other people, you know, real film fans who like art house, and then you've got average Joe public who like you know Transformers movies and shit like that. That's not what it, is. you know. You can have very, very knowledgeable and very respectable sort of film people who just art house cinema is just not their bag. Uh, I think that I very much like art house cinema, and that is why I enjoyed Only God Forgives so much.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, but I mean, yeah, no, absolutely. I it, it it's just it's weird though, because I mean. It is, I mean it totally is art housey but I would argue I think Bronson is more oh, yeah, art Bronson, house than only God yeah so I, I would argue Valhalla rising is more art house than any else Gives, personally you know it just it, it is the fact that that you know that the story here is quite slight um it, it is all about it, it's all about the visuals and the, and the music amazing. really and 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 yeah, yeah, exactly, uh, and I mean, I mean, and Kristen Scott Thomas's performance. I mean, the the cinematography is amazing, Oh, like it looks just gorgeous, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's probably the best looking film I've seen this year. I I, I would say, um, and it, it but very striking. And Cliff Martinez's music is fantastic, um, like very very symph,ie very very moody, but, um,
1: but very different to Drive. Oh, totally, very much so. Like I, I thought, um. Almost quite. I'm quite glad that he, he, he's so different to Drive. It would have been. It would have felt a little bit cold if it had just been, you know, Drive but with different characters.
2: Well, I mean that's the thing. I mean, like, I think the fact that Gosling is so, you know, unheroic and he's not. I mean, he's not stoic. I mean, he's just. He's he's re- very blank in the film, but I think that is I, I think that's totally purposeful. I don't think that's Gosling giving a bad performance. I think that's what he was asked to do. But I mean, it is like they were just like, look, you're not going to have a relationship with uh, a woman. You're not going to have any hero moments. You're not going to have any self sacrifice. You know, it, you're not going to be driver. Yeah, yeah. The
1: closest he a true relationship with a woman is when he gets his arms tied to a chair and she masturbates in front of them. That is the closest thing to sort of a relationship.
2: Either that or like smart. Yeah, which,
1: yeah, which there is, like I said, said, there's that undercurrent of something.
2: Yeah, but I mean, like in in terms of people saying, "Oh, you know, it it is it is too art housey, it is too experimental," you know, I mean, Christ, in terms of can. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Battle High but I mean, like in terms of can films. Watch this, and then watch Uncle Boon Me, who can recall his past <laughs> lives, and then tell me what art house yeah. is. You know, it, it's... I, 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 I think it's interesting, and I think, it, it, in terms of other people, I think that's maybe a bit too lazy
1: a complaint. Oh, yeah, 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 I can completely listen that. I mean, also, as well, you get a lot of people um, comparing it, obviously, straight away, to Lynch. And saying, "Oh, it's, it's very, it's very Lynchian," and it, it, I can, I'm watching it thinking, I can kind of see the idea because it has that
2: very superficial,
1: yeah, very. a superficial thing, but it's not as. Uh, this is more paced than, than than Lynch. Lynch is quite when Lynch goes full fucking Lynch, it, he's very, it's very visceral, and, and it's very aggressive and attacky when Lynch goes full Lynch, and this yeah, this isn't, yeah. you know, the, the it's quite brutal in parts, but it's not, there's no, like, crescendos at the, at the brutal parts, there's no, oh my god, look at this, in terms of the music, it still stays at that very pacey and very kind of, it, it stays on one sort of mood level, it doesn't try and amp up attention. You know that stuff's going to happen. It's when he slits the guy's chest open and his ribs snap open. There. Yeah. There's no boom to it. It's just, it happens and you get to see it.
2: No, I mean, the only escalating attention there is, is the build up to that fight. And then that fight basically is him and Gosling have a bit of a spar, and then he kicks the shit out of Gosling.
1: Yeah. And it, it,
2: you know, it, 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 it's very anticlimactic. Yeah, it,
1: it, it, it is... That is repping playing with people. so yeah, totally. the whole thing it, it, I think yeah. I think is repping going, just sort of sitting down and going and doing a film and then putting it out there and people are going, oh, this is very different from Dry isn't it? And repping going, yeah, it's a different film.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I'll say, I mean, I'll, I'll bring this in slightly, I, you know, because I saw The World's End yesterday and you know The World's End and Only God Forgives are not two films that you can compare, but I'm going to try to in a way, yeah, they. Reffin followed up Drive with this, which is like very. It is a challenging. I mean, like it is still art house, you know. It is a challenging ninety minutes to watch. Uh, even though I thought it also flew yes. by, the, uh, which is something. But um, yeah, um, which, you know, which is odd for art house. But it, 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 it's it's a brave film, and it is doing something different. And it feels like Reffin doing this because he wants to do it. Now, The World's End to me. Felt like a film where they just kind of wanted to get people to have people stop asking them when are they going to make the last film in the trilogy, and it's a film that does try and do things differently, but doesn't work because there's not enough care and attention paid to basic things like story structure. Uh, You know, I, I, I mean. The, the, the World's End is a very, 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 very messy film. I was very disappointed. But um, Only God Forgives is a film where every single moment has had the utmost care taken with it. It absolutely is what Refn wants to and Gosling, what they both want to do all the way through, and they're making it because they want to make it, not out of a sense of obligation. And... That's all good with me. I can't complain with that at all. You know, I look forward to see that's the thing. I look forward to seeing what Reppin' and Gosling do together again. Whereas I hope Edgar Wright and Simon
1: Pegg and Nick Frost never work it together again. Ooh, that's a that's a very <laughs> uh that's that, that's a very damning verdict on the
2: film. <laughs> I um, I I mean like I mean like uh, speaking briefly about the world's end. 3 out of 5. I laughed enough, um, but the be- the beginning is shoddy. The end is a piss take, which feels like they just didn 't know how to end it, and so they just wrote it in five minutes i mean the the ending, I think Edgar Wright should be embarrassed of. I think they all should be embarrassed a bit actually <laughs> um, it 's got moments in it which-, which are you know very, very funny, and they are very sharp and they are very smart and Eddie Marzan. And Paddy Considine are doing great work with not a lot, and Nick Frost is actually very solid in the, in the acting as well. But it, it, I mean, Simon Pegg's not great in it. He's got he's got to do more dramatic stuff, and he's not a good dramatic actor. And I just I, I to be honest, I feel like Simon Pegg is weighing is weighing Edgar Wright down, and. And now that he that that they're all free of each other, I I I think it's going to be all the better at least for Edgar Wright. But anyway, the the point I mean, but I I I hope there was a reason for bringing up the World's End in comparison with Only God Forgives. It just only got after Only God Forgives, I was on a real high and I was thinking, you know, collaborators, yes, old teams getting together and working again, yes. And then I watched the World's End and it was kind of like a fart in an elevator for for reasons. Um, but I mean Only God Forgives is great and I, I, I really do hope they work together
1: yeah. again I, I think we're probably pretty much finished on Only God Forgives because it's not one of those films I think there's a lot to talk about with it but there's not a lot of story to get into so we've not really mentioned the story that much because although I think there definitely is a story there, it, it, that you say, it's very loose and it's this happens, this happens and this happens Um,
2: I, I think it's more about atmosphere I, yeah, than yeah, it with, is about without, without
1: question uh, it's not going to be a film for everybody. Um, and if, if somebody says to me, oh, uh, I did not like it, I thought it was potential shite, I'm not going to disagree with them and say, well, I I, I, I don't think it was, but I, I will say, well, that's cool. But I, yeah, it, it completely got me from the opening to the end. I was absolutely enthralled by it. And I will be going to see it on the big screen as well, because I think that, I'm not one of those people who thinks that every film needs to be seen on the big screen. Some don't, but I want to see this on the big screen.
2: Yeah, I very much want to as well. Double Bill with The Conjuring in a couple of weeks' time. That sounds like a good Saturday to me. Yeah, so today.
1: I'm very much looking forward to going to see Only God Forgives on the big screen. It mm. gets a very big, definitely not shit, and I would very be very surprised if it isn't bothering my top ten of the year.
2: Yeah, it'll be... I'd imagine it'll be there or thereabouts in my top ten at the end of the year. I'm, I mean, I gave it five out of... Definitely not shit. Uh, I gave it five out of five on Letterbox myself, because I wouldn't change anything about it. Uh, is it my favourite film of the year? No. Uh, I do like The Place Beyond the Pines more, even, in terms of Ryan Gosling films this year. Um, but it, it is a very, very strong piece of work by Reffin and Gosling, mm. for sure.
1: Also, as well, I'd like to say that you, I'm guessing you can hear more of your thoughts on the world's end on 35 million heroes this week.
2: Uh, yeah, Jordan, I will be doing a full review. Jord liked it. Uh, we're recording it tomorrow. So we haven't recorded yet. Jordan liked it. So um, it, it's going to be a bit of an argument.
1: <laughs> I know the thing is, I liked it. Three out of five. Three out of five, three out of five but, is a fucking solid score, buddy.
2: It, it's a recommend. It is. The, the thing is, the world's end is a recommend. It's just considering it's that team it's no way near good enough and could have done with another couple of drafts. Mm.
1: I mean I, what one what, what thing last thing I will we'll add is actually gonna I had a quick look while we while we're chatting. And and it has been a good sort of four years since um, Gosling had anything that you could sort of say is a flop. And for Gangster Squad. It still made money. Gangster Squad still made a decent amount of money. How much did um, it make? Um it made and you on the spot there me two seconds and I shall tell you I, I literally had this open seconds ago and I just closed it it made uh over 105 million on a 60 million budget considering marketing I would say that the book considering marketing but it wasn't a it wasn't a PG 13 film was it so you've got to kind of slide that back a little bit is I'd say that that I, I don't think in any way you could call that a flop I
2: don't I I I don't maybe they didn't lose any money but Yeah I, I don't, I, know. I don't
1: think you could ever call it a, a, a flop. It you know, it made back over its budget, yeah it didn't it didn't double its budget and did do that, but that's just accounting for um cinema. So I think it'll probably made it'll probably made double when you account into um home video as well. I mean i t I'll tell
2: you what, if we're doing a little bit of bo- box officing um, R.I.P.D., man. Do you see how much that fucking film cost? It's, what,
1: $130 million one?
2: That's it was 180 something, and then it got some tax rebates, so it came in, uh, like, mid-150s. How the fuck... How the fuck does R.I.P.D. cost $150 million?
1: Yeah, because I mean, let's be honest, you wouldn't even guess that... I mean, we'll... What, what do you think Bridges and Reynolds pulled in each for that? 10 million each, maybe?
2: Yeah, probably something like you that,
1: know, yeah. I mean, I, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be fun. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of both um, both actors in it, so I'm looking forward to it. I don't think it's going to be like, it's not going to be my top ten of the year or anything like that, but as long as I go into it and I have a bit, I have a bit of fun with it, I'm perfectly happy with it, but... It does seem a very strange one to throw that much money at. It, it you know, it. It, it seems to me that movie was never going to make, no matter how much it cost, was never going to make more than worldwide eighty million.
2: I mean, you you think about it. I mean, like it, like the the closest analog, I suppose, would be something like Hellboy. Mm. You know, I mean, oh, Jesus Christ, it came in at seven, and it made just under thirteen million. You know. It came in at number
1: seven, man. That is that is brutal. It's not uh, a, good, a good opening. But it seemed a strange time to open it as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, totally. And I mean, like, it's just been pushed back in the UK as well. Um, it's coming out in September now, and it was coming out in late August. Um, but I, I just, I don't know. I mean, like, Christ, actually a bit of a murdering at the box office in the US this week. I mean, like, I'm looking at this, like, Red 2 only did 18 and a half million. Uh, Turbo, which is, you know, a fucking DreamWorks film, did 21.5 million for the three-day weekend. Uh, I mean, the only one that was any good was The Conjuring, which has already done double its budget.
1: There seems to be that that particular group of horror films, uh, they're very much, they seem to be able to just release them, and they'll make double their budgets, because they're they're often very low budget. I mean, what did it cost? Twenty five million. 13? It was twenty twenty million 20 for country. Million, yeah, you know, for a horror film that you're gonna give decent marketing to and that's got that's got a gravitas behind it because of the filmmakers. You know, within that that group, you know, it's not fucking, mm. it, it's you know, it's not being directed by a triple Oscar or anything like that. But it, it can tag on something like you know, from the people who brought you Insidious, which which made money. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. you, you've got that. You're easy gonna pull in your 20 million. As I, yeah, no, I mean, I'm good All on right, it. Yeah. Though,
2: I mean, like over for, over 40 million weekends. I mean, it's uh, apparently the only R-rated horrors that have ever done um, higher than that. Are the Paranormal Activity films and Hannibal. You know. So, I mean, good on it. And I mean, like the the thing that I'm excited by about The Conjuring is the fact that it literally just got an R rating because it's that intense. Like there's apparently there's no bad language, there's or like bad R-rated bad language. There's no like sex or nudity in it. It literally got an R because it's intense. <laughs> oh. You know, I mean, that, how often does that happen anymore? I mean, I'm having a look in the, and I, I know we're we're kind of waffling, but fuck it. Um, you know, I just want to see because it's a 15 over yeah. here, isn't it? And I just want to see what they the BBSC website say about it. We'll, I, I assume we'll be reviewing it in a couple yeah, will, of weeks. Yeah. Ah, uh, it just says contains strong horror. Right, strong horror. Um, Exceptional yeah. peril. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Solid tension. Don't uh, yeah, shit um, yourself. Uh, <laughs> BBFC yeah. contains material that will likely make you shit yourself.
1: Yeah. That's the BBFC's new marketing. Oh dear, that's funny. That, that, oh, um should be but, the yeah. ranked films from now on. All horror films, it's just, it should just be, you won't shit yourself, and you'll shit yourself. You'll <laughs> peel your own skin off. Nice. That, that would be good. That would cool. be good. I'm going to play some promos. <laughs> bloody hell. Um, and then we're going to get into our uh, one old, one new... Hi, I'm Sarah from Gorepress.com, and along with my co-host Phil, we present the Gorepress Gorecast.
2: But Sarah, what is the Gorepress Gorecast?
1: Well, Phil, I'm glad you asked. It's a weekly show in which we review horror movies, discuss our love for the genre, and generally just blunder through, showcasing our startling ineptitude at podcasting.
2: Hello, and welcome to another go- Oh, for (laughs) fuck's sake,
1: no, that's not helping! That sounds ridiculously professional. That can't be all we do, can it? It certainly isn't. We also try and talk a little bit about what we've watched recently and selflessly plumb the depths of B-movie hell so we can inform you, our loyal listeners, about what to watch and what to avoid.
2: Well, that just sounds
1: dandy. Where could I find such a podcast? Well, Phil, you can subscribe to us by searching for the new Press Podcast in iTunes or you can find us at gorepress.com. So much knowledge about this film.
0: It was a childhood corrupted by endless hours of VHS rentals. For the sake the manage you'd love it. In his most formative years, he had seen it all. I could anything. Action. <laughs> Karate is not to be used aggressively. But if I have no other choice. Horror. <laughs> <laughs> and romance. Now, he's decided it's time to go back. For just one more adventure... Humans are such an easy prey. Noel Meller presents... You're the problem, you little shit! The Adventures in
1: VHS Podcast. Join me, Noel Meller, as each month I take an in-depth look at one movie from my collection of x rental 80s VHS classics and speak to one or two of the people involved with making them about what the format means to them. The
0: Adventures in VHS podcast. Thank you. Have a nice day. Download today from iTunes by searching for Adventures of VHS or visit adventuresofvhs.com.
1: Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. It just really It's isn't. not visually striking. No. I'm just, just getting confirmation. It's just... That's the third time, though. I mean, I must, is this on? You can find us at chinstrokervspunter.podomatic.com. So come and share the victory. If you
2: could any man in film, who would it be and why?
1: My answer is Lance Henriksen. He wouldn't tell. He
2: looks like somebody... (laughs) He looks like somebody who can keep a secret.
1: Yay. Okay, Ian. uh, Hit me in the face with your one old or one new. Uh,
2: Okay, I'll start off with my one new uh, film that I uh, finished off watching earlier on today. Ah, uh, bu- 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 bum! Brian De Palma's latest
1: uh, passion. Ah, I still haven't seen this. I've watched, I've watched the first twenty minutes of it, but then I, I was falling asleep, not because of the film, because I was tired, uh, and I, I haven't got back to it yet.
2: Yeah, so um, it's a remake of a French film, Love Crime, which I believe only came out like last year or the year before. Uh, I have not seen um, uh, Love Crime, so had, I, it's I don't Scott know. Yeah. Did it? Did it yeah,
1: really? Yeah,
2: Well, shit it off. Oh, uh, Kristen Scott Thomas and Ludivine Sanye. Who's she, then? Ludivine
1: Sanye. She was in Swimming Pool.
2: Oh, oh, okay. Right, okay, yeah. And she was in the Devil's Double as well. Oh, okay, and she was in Marine. Um, alright, fair enough. Uh but yeah, so um I haven't seen Love Crime, so I don't know how close this film is to it. But um basically the story is uh Nimi Rapace and uh it, it uh is a kind of an underling to uh Rachel McAdams in a uh kind of a PR company. Uh Rapace's character has a great idea for a uh, marketing campaign for some genes and uh it's very successful, uh, but then Rachel McAdams' character takes credit for it. Um the two's relationship gets that like Rachel McAdams seems to have some lesbian feelings for Numi Rapace, but he's still willing to uh, stab her in the back while Noomi Rapace is actually having an affair with uh, Rachel McAdams, character's boyfriend, Dirk played by Paul Anderson. And uh, Dirk is in a bit of trouble himself as well, because um, he's been doing some accounting fraud for which he's about to become unstuck. Uh, the film then, um, basically turns into a De Palma film (laughs) uh there's um there's murder yeah uh there's split screens um there's uh secret identities and there's uh, a thundering Pino Donagio score um now yeah De Palma um so I, I I haven't seen uh like Fem Fatale you know and, and, and but it it feels like it's been a while since De Palma's been playing in this ballpark and this feels like old school De Palma it, and I'm all right with that frankly it feels like him dusting off Mater- like material from thirty years ago, like like filmmaking material, and and going with it, and it's kind of a joy to watch. Even though I would say, if you don't have that much experience of De Palma, there are things in this that could put mm. you off. It's the performances are very very melodramatic. Uh, I mean, like Rachel McAdams is just playing this bitch. Like, just an absolute, like, hammy bitch. And Numi Repass is kind of like going from zero to 100 and then back to zero, you know, sometimes in the same scene. Uh, it, it's, it's, there are bits that are wildly hysterical uh, in, in terms of them just, like, flailing all over the. And it, it's, it is De Palma, you know, it, it is very it is kind of reminiscent of of stuff like sisters or, or dress to kill you know um and it, it, i mean it could be argued that maybe he's on autopilot but it is fun to watch and i can't I, I i would think that okay the basic narrative of love crime is probably the same but the stylistic touches that de palma brings to it are fantastic like there's a sequence with uh, Naomi Rapace watching a ballet and it's kind of split screened with someone following another character uh, and, you know, and they're, they're wearing a mask and they're following the other character, you know, and like they've got a big knife uh, and, and I mean, that, that stuff is just a bit of a joy to watch uh, and just to watch him doing that again. Um, I, I mean, I, I mean, it, I mean, that that stuff is fun. And, I mean, like, there are some twists and turns. And, I mean, there was one plot twist that I, I didn't see coming, I will say. There was one that I did. But then, like, the last five minutes, it's the DiNaggio score just building and building and building and becoming rather thunderous. And in that, it kind of reminded me of the end of Dress to Kill, where it just goes mental, the music at the end. And that's very much like... That this here, it's 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 great. Um, It's it's one that I think De Palma completists will get more out of than anybody else
1: at all. So Um, it's very much it's more for that you said De Palma fans than people coming into De Palma new.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's more for De Palma fans than it is somebody wanting to watch Rachel McAdams's new film.
1: Yes, yeah.
2: yeah i mean I suppose that's that's the best way of putting it really, but it's um it's fun. I had a fun time watching it. I would say a seven out of ten maybe maybe creeping up to an eight, but I think your mileage will vary and um i could see I could see some people saying it's one of the worst films of the year or something like that because it is ridiculous, but I think a lot of department stuff is ridiculous. You know, I mean, fuck me, Dress to Kill is ridiculous. Body double is ridiculous. But, but I haven't. Ah, oh, body, body boy, double, double Peter, is
1: absolutely on. ridiculous. But I adore it. Yeah, that's that's. The, it's one of those is passion. Uh, um, I, I was liking what I saw, and I have seen Love Crime, and I I, I did very much enjoy Love Crime. Um, d- d- yeah, it's ha- different. Yeah, because the, because the thing is, it's
2: like the first half of the film is a it, it kind of basically feels like a to video thriller, mm-hmm. like a slightly erotic thriller. But then there's kind of a change in the film, and then suddenly the lighting, it gets all kind of like gloomy, and there's like the the wind window shades kind of ref, like reflecting on the wall, and like shadows on the walls, and like the the score starts kicking in more. And there's a section where Numira repasses. <laughs> basically just out of it for about 10-15 minutes, so it, it it all gets very surreal, it's like, the first half feels like it was probably a straight remake the second half feels like De Palma just kind of like cracking his knuckles and going like, right, my turn now you know, and, and, and there, there is a fair bit of joy to that, but I would understand if people thought it was shit it's, uh, you know, I'll probably never watch it again, and yeah, I think 7 out of 10 is fair enough thinking about it but I had fun,
1: good yeah. Right, uh, my I'm going to go with my one new as well. Um, my one new is a film called Coffee Town, uh, which was recommended me uh, by uh, Steve Shooter, who does the Fixated On podcast. Um, and he, he messaged me on Tuesday night saying, have you seen Coffee Town? And I messaged him back saying, no, anyway, you will love it, watch it. And I thought, right, do you know what, that's enough for me. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a go if someone says to me you will love this film watch it I'm always like right okay great I'm going to give it a go so Wednesday went tonight I thought right I mean I got home quite early on from work I thought right I want to watch a few films tonight bang I'm going to stick on Coffee Town so the idea is it's from the um, the college humor guys um, I have no idea who they are but apparently they run a um, a comedy website apparently um, are you still there? Oh, sorry, I thought I lost yeah. you Everything yeah. incredibly quiet. Um, I'm, li- I'm just the the, the the idea is you've got a, a guy called Will, uh, who runs uh, a website for uh, an electronical company, and a, he, he uses the local coffee shop, Coffee Town, as an office. Um, right. Because he doesn't like working at home, because if he works at home, his roommate, who's dying of AIDS, um, has all of these Sort of big emotional moments when he's sort of having to do stuff. Um, so he, he, he goes to Coffee Town to to work, and it has it in his office. However, the fact is that his roommate is dead. And his roommate is no longer alive. Yet he still goes to Coffee Town. Uh, the guy who works at Coffee Town, who runs Coffee Town, Sam, played by Josh Groban, doesn't like him because he's one of those people who uses Coffee Town as an office. Uh, The other idea is it's almost all set in, in fact, it is all set either in Coffeetown Town or in the parking lot of Coffeetown. Town. You've got his two friends, uh, Chad, who's a lighting salesman who works across the road, who comes across during his um, company-sanctioned cigarette breaks to see Will, except he doesn't smoke. So what he has to do is he has to get a tramp that sits outside Coffeetown Town to blow smoke on him to make it smell like he smoked. <laughs> um, and then later in the film, he has to actually take up smoking so he can still have these smoking breaks. Um, and uh, the local police officer called Gino, who is basically the worst cop in the world, he's only doing it, he only became a cop to get girls. Uh, to give you an example, he explains that... Uh, the, at the start of it, to try and get a girl, he, he goes up to a girl in the coffee shop and says, Oh, you know, you should be very careful at the moment. There's a there's a drive-by shooter around, you know, and I would not want you to get hurt, um, because you're quite a big target. And he, his idea of picking up women is to put them down and make them feel, you know, like they aren't safe, and that's the angle he can attack. And so Will says, you know, I can't even you just lie to that woman. He says, "No, no, there is a there is a uh, a drive-by shooter going around. You know, he's he's struck a couple of times." And say. Why at the end of the papers like, yeah, I forgot to report it. it's <laughs> just everything he does, it just makes him out to be the Like, he, he parts the, the police patrol car across three parking spaces. And he's just, he's a, he's a terrible copper. Um, and that's basically it. It's one of those films where not a lot happens. The idea of the story is that Coffee Town's about to be turned a Coffee Town Bistro, and if that happens, Will will no longer be able to use it as an office because it will be a beach rather than an office. Gino tells him that one of the reasons why they're choosing that particular uh, franchise of Coffee Town is because it's uh, in a really low crime rate area, like no crime ever happens on that street, which is great for him because it means he never has to do anything. Um, so Will comes up with an idea that he and Chad should um, stage a, a fake robbery at Coffee Town um, Chad thinks they're actually robbing it despite the fact that Will and Gino keep on telling him that they're not actually robbing it, they're just pretending to rob it uh, and that's basically as it, that that's what happens that's all that happens, they just talk about doing this fake robbery and it, it's one of those great films where it is just either two of them or three of them just bouncing off each other and just throwing little one-liners there's a, there's a little two-minute bit between Chad and Gino about uh, washing the powder and about how that you now have to use less washing powder. And Chad saying, you know, I, I've never ever poured washing powder in and thought, my God, I'm using so much washing powder, what the fuck's going on? And it's that. And then them trying not to be racist. There's a whole bit where, uh, uh, trying not to be racist or homophobic, like Chad explaining that being gay is actually straighter than being straight. And explains it. And it's just the most ridiculous speech ever. But he seems to believe yeah. it. Um, and then all the jokes that happen then get piled on top of each other and continue throughout it. Uh, like Chad has this running feud with a, a retarded kid that, that drinks, uh, uh, coffee town. Uh, and Gino decides that it, it'd be, it'd be fun to see if a retarded kid could beat the shit out of a normal person. Um, and then, and, and then right, that yeah. kind of happens. But the thing is, is all of these are done in a, in a also Copytown, Town used to be called Brown Town, but um, it was decided that, that Brown Town was too racist. Um, and it, it, it's all this stuff happens, and it, it, you know, it, it would come across as a bit racist, a bit homophobic, like that, but there's a certain sweetness to it, that none of the characters are bad, none of them are bad people. You know, none of none of them are homophobic or racist. They're just they're just spitballing bullshit to each other, and none of yeah. it has any of this meanness to it at all. It's just a really really fun, entertaining throwaway ninety minutes that is really quite sweet. But there's enough in there to make you laugh, um, and the characters are well defined enough to make you actually give a shit about them, and that they're actually quite amusing. Um, uh, you know uh, Ben Schwartz, who plays Gina, absolutely steals the movie with every scene he's in, just being a really terrible copper. Um, he's also been in stuff like um, he was in the other guys, um, and what else has he been in? He's been in sort of Arrested Development and stuff like that. He's done a lot of stuff for Funny or Die as well. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's just a. Also, also, I'm actually just checking. He wrote the um, De Niro movie. Everybody's fine as well. He wrote that. Um, so I, I would recommend if you like your kind of slacker indie schmindy uh, American films, then Coffee Town will be right up your street. It, I had I had great fun with it. It's a. It very much is a. Saturday afternoon, or you've got off work early and it's four o'clock in the afternoon and you've got fuck all else to do, and you go, do you know what, I'm going to watch a film. It's that. Or you wake up a little bit earlier than you wanted to on Saturday morning or Sunday morning, and you go, I need to watch something while I have my morning coffee and a donut. This is a great film for that kind of thing. Yeah, fair play. I
2: have nothing to add. I hadn't
1: even. I I I hadn't until until Steve. Um, me and Steve share a love of films like this, where not a lot happens and they're just they're quite nice films to watch. I wouldn't say, oh right, you know, watch this film on a Friday night. It's amazing like that, but it is great as just that. You know, as a one of two films you're gonna watch in a night. It's great for that.
2: Mm. Oh, fair enough.
1: Right, cool. Um, Ian. Go on, throw your one old at me. My... Uh,
2: okay, yeah, so you know what I'm I have a very um,
1: strong feeling. I currently have uh, the Wikipedia page for the film that I think it's going to be open.
2: Well, well, it will be because you said on the Twitter feed what we were going to say. Yeah, about. I did a little bit, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, um,
2: which kind of boxed me into a corner slightly. <laughs> said we were talk about it?
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, no, I did. We did, uh, we did. Also, right, as
1: well, right. just to say. I watched this as well. I was going to talk about something else with my one-old, but I'm not. I'm not going to talk about anything because I have a feeling I'll talk about this with you quite a lot as well. So, to save time, my one-old was going to be Death Warrant, but I'll talk about that next week. Fair enough.
2: Okay. Okay, fair I enough. Um, right, I okay, so... <laughs> uh, okay, well, yeah. Okay, Hellboy 2 then. Thanks for telling that. I'm excited. Yeah, fucking... <laughs> You're fucking.
1: Um, wow, alright. Why don't you White? I don't you start. It's your, it's your fucking girl, buddy?
2: Blimey Charlie. Um <laughs> Um so yeah, no, I uh Owlboy too. Um so I watched I actually um finished off rewatching this after we saw Pacific Rim. And uh yeah, I think it's for me for me, I think it's Del Toro's best film. Um because I have an awful lot of time for his Spanish language films, even though I'm slightly less in love with Pan's Labyrinth than everybody else. It must be said. Um, But the the thing that I I think is great about Hellboy 2 is that it is a it is the perfect synthesis of him having the leeway to do what he wanted to do after Pan's Labyrinth. And turning out a film which is Hollywood and is an action film and has comic book characters, but also still has plenty of stuff that feels personal and it has stakes in it that are more interesting than um, than your average ones. Frankly, it's got more interesting dilemmas. Uh, I, I and it's also a fantastic looking film. It's gorgeous. Gorgeous colour palette, palette from Guillermo Navarro. Uh, but, yeah, I I, I I think it's a terrific
1: time. Go on, bud. Uh, again, yeah, I think I said on a previous podcast when we were talking about Pacific Rim um, that Hellboy 2 is, is my absolute favourite Guillermo del Toro film. I, I absolutely adore it. From when I first saw it at the cinema um, to now I watched it a couple of nights ago and still loved it. It's got so much it's It's got so much heart to it it's funny it is a blockbuster but it's it's so intricate and so there's every every little sort of minute bit of detail has been thought of from billboards in the background to little sort of little bits of dialogue and you know when you go into the troll market, there's so many little things going along, and you can tell that del Toro has designed every single inch of that frame there he's drawn going want it to look like this, and there you go, and they've gone, yeah well here it looks not I want it to look like this, I want that bit there and he's he's put everything into it and it, it, it's it, it's it's amazing the fact that that somebody you know with that kind of vision has decided to go do you know what I want to do this and the, it's very strange when you've got like you say his Spanish language work that you know that my favourite film would, of his works would be a big budget sequel or a comic book movie sequel but yeah. it is because it is so wonderful and you've got such a wonderful character and it's a lot of fun as well you've got such a wonderful character in Hellboy he's quite a, a dynamic character you know the fact that you've got the great scene where, um, uh, what's her name? Summer Blair. Uh, Oh, uh, Liz. Uh, Where Liz um, tells him to get away from the window because she's about to do a fireball thing. And he purposefully paces himself in front of the window. And then Mm -hmm. you have him falling backwards out of the window in slow motion to traverse all people. (laughs) Uh, And that just shows that Del Toro is... He's only interested in having fun and what he wants to show, um, and it's just the falling out, and then the fact that it all starts to to backfire. One of my favourite lines in the film and portions of the film is the the hell hell boy. He's like, yeah, no, I'm ugly. And yeah, It's yeah, just yeah. wonderful. Um, go, you go again. Yeah, no, no. I, mean, I was
2: just uh, just kind of agreeing with that. To be honest, it, it's. Um... Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, moving on from uh, that kind of stuff. I mean, like the the elemental, the tree, you know, the the, the dilemma with that, and then like the. I really like the ending of that scene. Just how fucking bittersweet it is that you know they had to kill it, but then like all the kind of the greenery that's growing a, a, around and just how how nice that mm. is, you know, it it, it the, the way the film mixes light and dark, I think, is really interesting. I mean, later on as well, you've got the. Um, the uh the, the the little guy who actually made the golden army and like he is quite a funny character. He's he, you know he's quite an odd character. But then you've got like the uh the Angel of Death as like it with him interacting with him in the same scene and it's like the, tone, the 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 mismatched tone is so odd and yet somehow it works. I mean one thing that slightly annoys me about the film actually I will say, even though I I, I actually think it's a five out of five film, but one thing that does slightly annoy me is the fact that there is quite a lot of stuff set up here for another entry. And I mean, like that, that's the kind of thing that I criticize films for. So it's only fair for me to bring it up here. You know, I mean, like the, the, I mean, the the ending is a little bit of a setup as well, but I mean, it's kind of more of a a sweet comic moment. Um, But yeah, the 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 whole kind of like Hellboy, basically, he will bring around the apocalypse. Even though I love the like the decision Liz has to make about like, you know, is it humanity or him? And it, it's him that she she decides, and then you know, the Angel of Death saying, "You're the one who will suffer worst, uh, uh, most of all." You know, it, it's all that kind of like that setup, which is, yeah, you know, it, it, it's really interesting. It's really good, but it's also stuff that's in the third act, and it is you know, even when they mailed, made Hellboy 2, I have to wonder whether they actually thought they were going to be able to get away with a Hellboy 3. And the amount of setup that there is, you know, even, like, things like um, Krause um, say, uh, like saying, um, you know, I got in this state because I um, I love the wrong person or something, and, and he says, but that's a story I'll tell you another day. You know, it, 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 if, if things like that are annoying... Um, but I mean, it, it, it just everything else in the film is so good. I mean, like the the, the Barry Manilow oh, stuff that, is amazing. It's, just,
1: it's, it's a great little. You don't expect it in, in a movie like no. this for there to be to, to have essentially your comic book hero and his essentially like his sidekick um, getting drunk and singing a Barry Manilow song. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I
2: mean, it's 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 a great moment i mean like the how long del toro spends on them doing it as well Mm. i mean like it's not just like the chorus i mean it's like a full fucking verse as well Uh, I it's it i mean it's fantastic um and and, i mean just the 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 mix of the the practical and the cg is absolutely spot on i mean they seem to use practical wherever possible you know uh, just use cg for augmentation which is what cg should be for frankly Mm. um it, it it just it's a really really wonderful film that stands up insanely well and that i mean you compare hellboy 2 to pacific rim and i think pacific rim does get a bit more disappointing because it it does i mean it does, that does to me feel like a film that del toro wanted to make but it's not it's not a film where del toro kind of got carte blanche and i don't think he ever will again that's that's the I, I I mean, unless he works on a really really low budget, I don't think. I mean, maybe Crimson Peak, perhaps, but I don't think he's ever going to get that freedom again. He's never going to get sixty seventy million dollars to do what he wants to do. He got it with Hellboy mm. 2. and I mean, like, what what was his reward in terms of box office? It, it, um, it was
1: it cost about eighty five, but I think it pulled in one hundred and sixty odd, so it did double its budget.
2: Yeah, but I I like that's. I mean, the thing is, I remember very, very specifically that it came out the week before The Dark Knight. Well,
1: funnily enough, as well, I remember very specifically it came out on home video in the UK. It and Dark Knight came out the same day because I bought both of God them on the same it. day. Yeah, that, that is, I mean... The, the thing is, they, they, surely Universal must have known. Well, they must have... I remember buying them both on the same day. I remember going to see them in the cinema week after another. Uh, and I remember buying them both on the same day when they came out on home video because it was the day I started a new job, uh, and I, I was supposed to finish at five, I didn't. I finished at nine, and I still went home and watched them both. Yeah, yeah,
2: I it, yeah, no, I, I, that's a good day. Uh, I it just that I mean that's a shame. That's 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 a real uh, that's a real shame. Um, but yeah, I I I I I think Hellboy Two is is a marvelous, marvelous, marvelous film, and. um, it is, I mean, it is a shame we're probably not going to get Hellboy three. I mean, but... To be honest
1: though, the, the strange thing about it is, is we didn't expect to get Hellboy two. Yeah, um, quite. So, I don't know. It, 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 it's a, it's a funny one with Hellboy three. I, I don't think we'll get it, but I wouldn't be surprised if a studio went, fuck it, let's do it. it, it, it wouldn't yeah, I'd be surprised actually because, because they know that you know, Perlman isn't going to cost a fortune and Perlman wants to do it. Del Toro won't cost, it won't take a lot to convince Del Toro to do it. It's more, Mike Mingala, it's more convincing him and getting a studio to go, right, there's the money to do it.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's, the the thing is, I mean, it's like this summer in particular, I think is, is kind of proving studios right where it's established Established safe franchises which will make yeah. money. I mean, you look at the even slight. I mean, Christ, even like the Lone Ranger. It's not an original franchise, but it's out of the US top ten in its third week. You know, I mean, it's a Johnny Depp film for fuck's sake. It's a Disney Johnny Depp film, and it, it, I mean, it, it basically it is. You know, people complain all, all the time. You know, all it is is sequel, sequel, sequels, blah blah blah. Well, yeah. They are what what makes is, money. Yeah. And they. Come
1: No, go, sorry, go go sorry, yeah. I was, I was just,
2: Yeah, yeah they, they are. They are what makes money, and they are what actually funds the smaller films that they, these same people clutch to their arms so much. They. They are. You wouldn't get. I mean, Christ. You wouldn't get Fox funding Fox Searchlight if it. You know, if in in part of it, if it wasn't for the X Men films. You know, I mean, it it, 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 they, they wouldn't be able to do that. They would just like, m- like, middle ball everything. It, it's that, that. But saying that though, I mean, like, you, you look at this weekend. You look at R.I.P.D. You look at the Lone Ranger, and then you suddenly think, okay, you know, Hellboy three isn't a good
1: idea. No, no it,
2: f- from a studio point of view, it's a terrible idea from a studio
1: point of view. I a mean, for instance, Pacific Rim. 190 million dollar yeah. movie hasn't made its budget back yet.
2: I I, I mean it, it will. I mean it will worldwide. Oh, yeah. I mean like it will probably eke out double its budget worldwide. But for a, an original IP like that, positioned as one of the big summer blockbusters with that much marketing put behind it, you'd think it would be doing more. But what's doing great at the moment? Despicable Me exactly. Too. Yeah. What What are the big hits of this summer? Iron Man Three. Fast Six, Despicable Me 2. Yeah, you know, I mean, it just, it is what it is. There, the there? There's a pattern there, isn't there? There's a pattern there, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, if audiences weren't going to see them, no. and I've seen all of them, you know, I've seen, I've even seen Despicable Me 2, and you know, what? I, I enjoyed it. But it, it, actually, I enjoyed all those films, fuck it. But it, it it's, yeah, the audiences bear it out. There's, you know essentially throwing money at dead properties like pacific rim probably is it, it, it's not doing them any favors i mean like i i, I you know i don't I, I i mean i thought again with tangency, but never mind but um there was somebody on twitter i'm I, I, i'm not gonna uh, name him because you know I, I can't be be asked to be honest but he he said that um You know, cinema has run out of ideas. Cinema is creatively bankrupt because of Batman, the Batman and Superman film cinema cinema is. And I said to him, I tweeted him saying, all right, either you don't mean cinema, you just mean Hollywood. At least I think I tweeted this or you've got an insanely narrow view of cinema. And he, he just replied saying my view of um, my 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 scope of cinema is wide is wide enough, Banks. So I think it's just agreed to disagree, and it's just what I I I I, I tweeted back. Um, I genuinely uh, genuinely I can't remember, Mark. Um, I mean, you, you can look through my tweets if you want, but I, I can't remember. Um, it, it wasn't it wasn't one of the, the the usual people, I suppose is 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 something. Um, it, it, it yeah, I mean, it just. the the, the box office results bear these things out and i mean there is room for smaller films you know smaller films can do well on their own terms it's just you're never gonna get a studio i mean increasingly you're not going to get a studio chucking a hundred million dollars at a property that they don't know is going to be a sure thing because it's based on a franchise you know i mean like christ you look at 2015 what have we got in 2015 now because we've got batman superman We've got uh, Avengers two, Jurassic Park four, uh, Bond twenty four, uh, Terminator five, um, Star Wars episode seven. You know, I mean, like that—that that is, I it could be the year that blockbuster cinema eats itself. Hmm. You know, it could be the apocalypse that Spielberg and Lucas were predicting a couple of a uh, couple of weeks back. But it could be that, could or
1: pulling six hundred million. A page. They could,
2: yeah, yeah. They could all, they could all do over a billion worldwide you know i mean like they i mean if and if the marketing and the the release schedules are kept separate enough i don't see why they can't and i mean it it, 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 i don't know it just like you would not get the smaller films and there are still plenty of smaller films there you know out there vod is opening up the range of smaller films that people can see. All right, they might not get to go to their local cinema because their local cinema is playing 10 showings of Man of Steel a day, well, what, what but
1: Hollywood, they could still see it. What, what Hollywood is doing is a similar thing, a little bit to an extent, as what supermarkets do, for instance. You put out, you make a loss on certain items because you're making so much on other others so you might make a they might make a 70 million dollar movie for instance scorsese they might give scorsese 80 million dollars to make a movie knowing that he's probably not going to you know th- th- there's a possibility that that film as good as it is might not do 150 million you know that yeah. is a possibility but you give him 80 million because you've already had x film on a budget of 200 million make 500 million so you can use yeah. that and that way, you can kind of, you know, artistically, in your in, in the studio's mind, can say, right, well, yeah, we did release three sequels, and we did release this terrible movie, but we also released this Scorsese movie, and we also gave 30 million to these three new filmmakers, and they, they you know, you can bounce around doing stuff like that, you know, like you say... The big blockbusters they do make the studios a colossal amount of money, but a lot of that money is fed back into the studio system.
2: Yeah, I mean you got Fox Searchlight. I'm just looking at um, the the latest US box office chart. Uh, they released the way way back, uh, yeah, um, a few weeks back, uh, a, a Steve Carell Tony Collette film, yes. I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's um, directed by and written by some guys from Community or something. Oh, they're in yeah, Community. Yeah. Jim Rash. Jim who Rash. Wrote the
1: Descendants? Yeah.
2: Yeah, there, there you go. You know, uh, you've you've got the Way Way Back, which uh, increased its box office by 99.7% in its third week. You know, and Fox Searchlight have released that. You've got Fruitvale Station, which is uh, the the Weinstein's film, and that's gone up 92.1% in in a week. You know, I mean, Jesus Christ, Sony Pictures Classics, uh, they've got I'm So Excited in the in the U uh, in the US. That's gone up 53.7% in its fourth week. You know, it just, I mean, there there is room for these smaller films. These smaller films are getting released. I can't help but think there are some people who are confusing, you know, the amount of column inches a film gets with whether it's out there or Mm. not. You know, in the end of the day, yes, it's all been Comic-Con this weekend. Of course it has, because, you know, that's That's what what gets the sites there. That, that, yeah, that's what gets the sites their hits and whatnot. But yeah, you know what? Only God Forgives is on USVOD. VOD. Um, fucking, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, like even The World's End is out in, U- in the UK box office this week, and that's not a blockbuster. You know, I mean, I, 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 next week Francis Hart is coming out in UK cinemas. I'm getting a decent, you know, I mean, a, 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 a decent one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, you know, it, it, it's, it's. I mean, like, fuck me, uh, Muds, the Matthew McConaughey film a couple of months back when Iron Man 3 was out, got a good run. The Place Beyond the Pines was around for fucking ages, mm. you, you know, it, it, it's, I, it's very, I, it's I don't very know, easy
1: I mean, to throw, because, we, because a lot of the big movies this year uh, is, we are becoming, it, 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 everything's franchised now. You, no one's no studio sits down, you know. To an extent, Pacific Rim might fall in that category. No studio goes right. We're gonna make this hundred and fifty million dollar plus movie as a single entity. And this will be one film. It's yeah, this is know. the start of, uh, you know, of of usually a trilogy, or four movies, or three movies, or two. Movies. But uh, you, usually the the, the the trend is to go for a trilogy. And you go right. Yeah. Well, we're going to put aside, you know, nearly six hundred million on three movies over the next five years. That will hopefully bring us in one point five billion.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. And and with that money, yes, they 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 will fund more superhero movies. They will fund, you know, I, I mean, like the, I mean, and the whole criticism about superhero movies, it's just it's the in thing at the moment it will probably it will probably blow itself out i mean then again you look at marvel and by the way are you okay for something? yeah I'm cool yeah okay cool i mean like you look at marvel and yes these are all comic book movies but i don't know it, they they all seem to be fairly different in what they are you know i mean like guardians of the galaxy i i, I read some um uh, uh some descriptions of the teaser footage they showed at comic con and that sounds like that it's james gunn just like basically having a laugh and taking the piss but with a huge budget you know i mean the iron man films it's all about robert downey jr for it's you know gods fighting each other i i don't know it, it, it i mean ant-man is going to be a man who can shrink himself but you know, it. it there, there is variety even within, I mean, within superhero movies, you've got the Dark Knight trilogy, you, you know, you've got Man of Steel, you've, I mean, Christ, in a way, you've got the Hellboy films. There is variety within the superhero movie genre as well, and to be honest, I think that's that's also a reason why it hasn't blown itself out yeah, I mean, yet. And like I say, it will one day, probably, but not will. yet.
1: I, I think it will once we get to the point of where you've got when you get to the third Avengers movie and you've got the Batman and Superman movie and you've got all that, you know, I think once you get a run of three or four that aren't very good, because that is the one thing that people forget or seem to ignore, is out of this current wave of superhero movies that we've had for maybe the past decade, would you say? Um, Sure. There have not been that many. There have been them, but the, the percentage of good versus bad is very much towards the good scale. And there have been a couple of exceptional ones within that as well. So I think once it starts going back up and for every good you get a bad, and once it starts levelling out like that, that's when it will really start to cave in on itself a little bit. And if you get maybe three in a year that are just shit, that's when the studios will go. You know what? We're we like right, disaster movies. They're cool, aren't they? And they'll do that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, like, I'm just I'm looking at this 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 week's like U.S. box office chart, uh, and it, it it is like that the big. I mean, the big bombs this summer have been Lone Ranger, White House Down, and After Earth. Mm. You know, and I mean, like, what what do they all have in common? You know, I mean, okay, the Lone Ranger is based on an old TV series, but it's an old TV series. Mm. You know, I mean, like the the kind of the franchise recognition is barely there. You know, it's that like they're not all based on the new hot thing. You know, I mean, White House Down and After Earth are original IP. Exactly. You know, I mean, like, yeah, you know, I mean, but then again, I mean, like, I, I suppose a paradox to this. Now you see me. It's done um, well over a hundred million at the US box office. You know i mean like it's worldwide now you see me has done $200 dollars yeah about I, I, it's a little bit like william goldman says nobody knows anything yeah yeah you i know, i i think there's there there are as many things to prove a trend as there are to to disprove it at the moment you know apart from established franchises do yeah. well despicable me too grown ups too uh, even though I suppose Red Two is the exception to prove the rule, but I mean, but, fuck me, Iron Man Three, Fast Red, Six. Um,
1: Red didn't make, you know, a colossal amount of money. At the what is it? A lot mm. of people were, um, were surprised by the idea of a um of a sequel to Red. You know, people were like, all right, was was anyone asking for it? I mean, it did 200 million, you know, which is a lot, but it kind of sneakily did 200 million. No one really noticed it doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we, the sad thing is the, the, the amount of money that Grown Ups has made, Grown Ups 2 has made. Although,
2: oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's depressing, but I mean, like I don't know, it's dropped over half. In the yeah, I mean, it, it, it has, stuff,
1: I mean, it, it, it was... It, Grown Ups... It's not, it's not going to make the same amount as Grown Ups.
2: But, I mean, fuck me, like, Pacific Rim, it actually gained ten, uh, 10 theatres, and it lost... Uh, nearly sixty percent. That's bad. You know, I mean, it's it will do a hundred million in the U in the U.S., but that's but again, about Pacific it. I mean, it's Rim's gonna...
1: still got to hit Asia, which is a massive market for that film.
2: It, it, that's the thing; it will do insane in
1: Japan. I mean, and it's it's still not open in a lot of Europe. I know it's not a huge market, but when you club it all together, it starts to make a difference. You know the. the 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 idea of, of of right now calling Pacific Rim a, a, a flop would be very misguided. That film's got to hit Asia, and for a movie that is about kaiju and that is set in Asia, that movie could do fucking colossal money in the mm, Asian market. Yes,
2: so I mean, no, absolutely. But I mean, I think I'll stop moaning there and and say people stop moaning. I'll I'll, I'll stop moaning now and say. You lot, shut up and be happy. And movies yes. are
1: great. Uh, so, y- 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 you what, know, what, what we end up doing there is we end up kind of returning to our discussion idea a little bit there. Um, what I'll quickly do is I'll say what I was going to talk about was Death War, and I'll talk about it very quickly. It's my one old, uh, and I, I will talk about it, because I won't talk about it next week because I'll watch something else by then. It. Uh, it's sure, sure. Uh, David S. first film he wrote. Uh, he does direct it. A uh, director called uh, Darren Saritha. um Sorry, uh, director What did you say this is called, Death Goat? Death Warrant. I, 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 oh, okay, I that might have said sense. Death Goat, though, for some reason. No, I don't uh, think he did. It's a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme plays Detective Louis Burke, um, who apprehends a, um, a, a guy called The Sandman, played by, uh, Patrick, Kill Patrick. so his parents have got nice. a, um, sense of humour. Um, And he's down from Quebec um, in, uh, I think it's set in California, yeah. Uh, While he's down there, he's asked um, to go undercover uh, in a Californian prison uh, because a lot of the inmates are being killed. So he's sent in by a wealthy attorney and governor uh, of California to kind of work out why these people are being killed. And he goes in there and quickly realises that it's a bit of a conspiracy thing. But it's one of those films where it's a early 90s action movie that was made sort of in the late 80s, but not, but not released until '99, like 1990. It is one of Van Damme's best films, which I know isn't saying that much. But if you like... Uh, sort of early 90s action movies and then it, it, it's a solid watch for you it was also one of the first movies that got released in a, theatrically uh, for Van Damme and did quite well you know, did another 50 million which for an R-rated movie at the time you know, was, was, was pretty good yeah, it's not bad uh, it? it's only sort of 90 minutes so about as long as an action movie should be and it's a lot of fun you get a typical Van Damme thing of you know, within five minutes he's done a roundhouse kick on somebody, it's uh, set in a prison, yet none of the laws of the actual judicial system seem to apply at all, inmates just wander around doing whatever they want um, it, it's a great amount of fun, I would recommend it to anybody or anybody who Please. likes action movies, if you don't like action movies, don't watch it, you'll hate it um, <laughs> so yeah, honestly, but it's one of those if, if it turns up on Netflix and it's 11 o'clock at night on a Friday, you you you'll be you'll be great at watching it with a couple of beers. So cool. Nice. Right, uh, we're going to move into our the next uh, installment of our Spike Early Marathon, uh, the politically, racially, uh, religiously charged movie Malcolm X. Uh, so here's a clip from the trailer of Malcolm X, and then we'll dive into it.
0: Know where you came from. What's your name? Martin Little. No. That's the name of the slave masters who own your family. You don't even know who you are. Who are you? Say, Roseland. Roseland! He was a pusher. You ready to tackle the streets? Yeah, I'm ready. Let him go. He was loved, respected, convicted. Stay your number, little. I forgot. In a dream that's divine. He was a prisoner who set himself free. A Muslim must be strikingly upright. I will not touch the white man's drugs, his liquor, his women, so that those in the darkness can see the power of the light. I will not lie, cheat, or steal. I believe you will remain faithful. Yes. He was a follower who became a leader. You're not an American. We didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. He brought honor to disobedience. I suggest you look outside that window. You've been laying down and bowing down for 400 years. Now I think it's time to stand up. All right, break it up. You got what you wanted. Now, I'm not satisfied. That's too much power for one man to have. And a voice to a people who long to be heard. <laughs> Wait. You're saying you're anti-white? No, you're saying I'm anti-white. I'm sorry, Betty. I haven't been the best the you advocate violence? No, sir. Academy Award winner Denzel Washington's most electrifying performance. Director Spike Lee's most powerful film. Do we all live together? I sincerely hope so.
1: Okay, you heard a trailer from Malcolm X there It's a 1992 um, biopic of uh, Malcolm X, funnily enough Um, It stars Denzel Washington You've got Angela Bassett in there, you've also got Spike Lee and stars in it as well, well, stars in it it for a bit You've also got Delroy Lindell in there as well as a bunch of other um, recognisable faces we'll call them Um, Malcolm X, who was a, uh, a political figure, he was a, a black activist, uh, referred to often as a, a black supremacist, uh, he was very much a uh, vocal member um, of the Nation of Islam, it is as much to call him a, uh, as well as been a political activist, he was more a religious activist, uh, he fell very much into it and took a lot of beliefs from it um, that later on in his life he would kind of go back on so uh, a very a very controversial and diversive character certainly um, Ian what did you think of Malcolm X
2: yeah so I um, I watched uh, Malcolm X last Sunday so it has been a week now
1: so I'm slightly did you watch it all Sorry, in one blast Cause, I cause, cause I did day, it's a two hundred minute movie, you know, that's that's three and three hours twenty minutes. That's a big chunk for an intense movie like this to go. So I'd like to say that also I watched it in one um in one scene as well. So sorry, Incarion. Yeah, yeah,
2: no I've had thanks. Uh, I, I was um I was debating watching it in two halves, but then um like last Sunday afternoon, I just didn't have anything to do basically all afternoon. Donald was out in the garden. I just thought, "Fuck it," I'm gonna watch Malcolm X. Uh, and yeah, I, I I really really liked it. I'm I'm blowing very hot and cold with Spike Lee, it seems. Um, but yeah, I I very very much liked it. I I I I I think it's a film that's more a portrait of a man's life than it is. Uh, and particularly coming down on an opinion of of him and his beliefs, other than, you know, Spike Lee obviously, like uh, you know, for a great deal of him, but you know, fuck, as the film shows, so did Nelson Mandela, you know. So uh, I mean, th- that that uh, that was a surprise. Mm. That was Nelson yes, Mandela, it was, yeah. wasn't it? Okay, good. I thought I was just being horrifically racist then. <laughs> um, no, no, it was, it
1: uh, was Nelson Mandela
2: yeah yeah um you know so i mean like that that was that was something i mean but in, in terms of the actual filmmaking yeah i mean I, I i i thought it was pretty wonderful um it's a pretty straight biopic really i mean it doesn't do a lot to shake up that form but i don't that's not this film's uh mission statement instead it, i mean it takes its time it and very Carefully details and maps things out, even though I had one slight problem uh, that I thought his change of heart, his going back on things, was not quite as well dealt with. Yeah.
1: It's
2: very. He just. He just. Yes, he's very suddenly changes tack. And it. Like, the film itself almost paints that as if it was just because he'd been kicked out of. Kicked out of the organisation, that he thought this, not that he had any experience, life experiences that made him actually change his mind on this. He does afterwards, you know, he he has these life experiences, but it, it just it, it it felt it did feel rather I mean, sudden. Yes, one um, of my one
1: of my criticisms, which I'll get to uh, later on with it, um, is very it, it featured it, it it's very similar to that.
2: Yeah, um, it but. It's it's a film about a performance and about the man whose performance that that is of, of you know um it and I, I mean I I, I liked the I, I thought it gave a very very good and surprising amount of time to the man he was beforehand mm. uh you know which I which I did like I mean like it's probably a good hour hour and do you 10 know do you know what
1: from start to when he goes into prison. It is exactly yeah. an hour. Yeah, there is there you then go. I I I was noticing this because I because funny enough when he went into when he goes into prison I paused it because um, I thought right it's a good time now to go and get myself a drink and go to the toilet and I looked and went that's weird it's like an hour and seven seconds in that's weird that, yeah. that you know that that first opening portion of his life there and then there's there's about twenty minutes of him being in prison, and then there's an hour of him being for the Nation of Islam, and then after that, there's an hour of him once he realises that maybe this isn't all he thought it was. So whether or not that is just pure coincidence, or whether or not Spike Lee has sort of gone, right, I want to spend equal times on the three important parts of this guy's life.
2: I wouldn't be surprised if in, in terms of the gen, general structure it was like that, for sure. You know, um, it, it, I mean, it, it kind of, it, it makes the film a lot better paced than I think it might uh, it might otherwise have been as well. I mean, I, I won't say the three hours, 20 minutes flew by, doesn't. but it, no, but...
1: Sorry, I, go on. I mean, I, I have a slight... I think that this movie could have been 20 minutes shorter if they cut out Spike Lee's propensity to have a music video in his films, because there's a couple of them in this. There's the the early dance hall scene, which is about seven minutes. And you watch Uh it going, I don't need to see this. You know, 35, 40 seconds, a minute of this is enough for me to understand that this is a dance hall.
2: And that he's a bit of a skirt chaser.
1: Um, yeah. And then that's repeated later on in the movie. There's another very similar one again. And it's like, yeah, oh, really? Again? You, 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 you're bogging it down a little bit. But, like you say, it, it, at no point in the three hour, apart from that, and that's very early in the movie, it, it, it doesn't fly by, but it never outstays its welcome.
2: No, that's the thing. It feels like, apart from those bits, yes, it does... Feel like it needed that length of time to tell that story which is which is you know key to a film whether it's too long or not for me is did it deserve to have that time to say what it yeah. was saying and you know i i think yes it did um and and I, yeah no i mean the, the thing is I like, I like I say i'm a week removed so i'm slight I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit hazy on some of the details uh but i i yeah the the realization of it not being all that it was cracked up to be, I thought I thought that was interesting because I I, I knew very little about Malcolm X going in, and the way that the um the the, the head of the organization is built up in, in Malcolm X's mind, and like the way that he uh, Malcolm is like constantly celebrating this guy and saying that he is like the the one true leader, he is the one who will show us the way. I, you know and, and then like people kind of like saying oh he's getting a little bit too big for his boots and then the fact that that leader says he's done more for us than you would than, than, than you think you know he, it, that made me think that when they started saying to malcolm oh you know he he's fathered women all over the uh, fathered women fathered children all over the place i actually thought Oh shit! They're actually trying to turn turn them against each other. I didn't know. In terms of the filmmaking, it hid it very, very well for me. From me, that this guy was actually not all that he was cracked mm. up to be. And maybe, maybe that is because I just don't know the history of it. But that actually caught me off uh, unaware. Yeah. And I, I, I enjoyed that. And, and Denzel Washington's performance in reacting to that is pretty mm, great.
1: It, that's the thing. It is. He's a very complex character to explore, Malcolm X, because he's a lot to a lot of people. Um, and But he also, he's not an infallible character. You know, he has, he, he had some very extremist views. And if you were to, if you were to portray um, a, a, a the, the let's be honest, let's get fucking past the elephant in the room there. If you were to portray a white version of this, it would it would have people pointing and saying, Well, this guy's a race and anything like this. Um and the fact that he was so pro black and white segregation um it, it it did make him a slightly divisive character and the, one of my slight issues with the film is is I think Spike Lee focused a little bit too much um on the controversial things that Malcolm X had to say and the attacking things that Malcolm X had to say. And it may be, he didn't look at the, the less aggressive side of Malcolm X, and the more, the side of, you know focused on the, well, you know, it's the white man's thing, and we need to go against the white man, and the white man's problem. And he, he, didn't, he didn't look as much at the side of where Malcolm X was saying, you know, we've got, a, we've got to be better within our own communities, and just like that. But then at the end of the film, you have Ozzy. Um, uh, Aussie... Shit, he's got my name. My name's got my head. Ah, uh, fuck. Uh, Ozzy Davis, Davis. Aussie, Aussie Davis um, rereading uh, the eulogy that he gave at Malcolm X's funeral. You know, that's him yeah. rereading what he'd already said. And you have an Nelson Mandela bit. And you're looking at that, and what they're saying is, you know, that uh, about Malcolm, uh, it, it is, is somewhat different. To what Spike Lee's just shown us for for well, I would say uh, 140 minutes, of, of it, you know, sorry, 120 minutes of its
2: runtime, uh, often at, at points. I mean, I, I yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I definitely, definitely see that. But what I think is interesting about the whole black and white segregation thing is the point that he's basically saying he he doesn't think they should integrate because. Then it's going to be relying on the white man's help, mm. you know. And it's it's having to. I mean, like that scene where the uh, the woman like says to him, "I'm into your cause. What can I, what can I do to help?" And he just says nothing. Mm, but then he does, you
1: it, know. It, it, it is it it is very much pointless, pointed out that that is fueled not by by the nation of Islam, by that teaching and that being drilled into his head, and then later on when he goes to, you know, he has his pilgrimage to Mecca and he realises, oh my God, there's 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 white people in, you know, that are, that are Muslims. And it's not all... And he starts to almost have these epiphanies of, you know what, maybe I went too far.
2: Um, yeah, oh, no, no, yeah, yeah. It's just like, I think it's in... I, from that point of view, I I, you know, I can see where where his headspace would be in mm. that just in that the the segregation thing it's not necess- you know it's not necessarily saying because i hate white people i want to get the fuck away no, from it, them. It, 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 it's saying because i don't want to have i don't want to have to rely on you on you in any way for me to achieve success yeah,
1: I, I i think it, it, i just thought that, that point that, that, yeah, at that, that point, that, that point yes. it, it it seemed to, it seemed to portray his message as being more aggressive than it maybe was, and didn't explain those bits of it as well as it explained other bits. So, it kind of felt a, for for a little bit like it was a little bit mixed message, like spitely. Kind of wanted to say one thing, but the film wanted to say another.
2: That yeah, that's that's what like Lee was maybe a bit more antagonistic the than Xbox. the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I mean, one of the things,
1: that. the fact that um, when you know when the film was released, Lee made a very big thing of saying that when he wanted to talk, when he wanted to be interviewed for promotional stuff for the film, he, you know, he wanted. Magazines and stuff to send African American interviewers because they'd understand it more, and it's just it, it it's that side of you know of his character which I don't think I think that reflected sometimes again on this film, and it's strange that we're discussing this film at the moment because it, it it's a somewhat. Fragile state in America at the moment, with you know, with the whole John, really um, and yeah. um, you know, Solange Beyonce actually quoted you know from a, a Malcolm X speech at, at one of the, the the rallies. Did
2: you just say Solange
1: Beyonce? I did I I say Solange Beyonce. I yeah, I've said that about six times when I've been talking about it. Solange Knowles, sorry. Um, so yeah, it it's it, it strange that, that, that this film has landed in our canon at this moment.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And also, I mean, like, isn't there like, isn't Lee supposed to be making some sort of announcement or something where he's going to retire? Or
1: ah, uh, it. it just, I'm, I'm going to get incredibly cynical. If he is, then it's just to try and peak interest. In, oh boy, <laughs> I don't enough. believe it. I don't. In the same way that I don't believe that Steven Stoddard's retired, I just don't believe them (laughs) at all. I believe Gene Hapman, I believe him that he's retired because you know what he's done? He's done that wonderful thing of saying, I've retired, and then he hasn't worked because that's what retiring is. Retiring isn't saying you're going to retire, and then in four years' time going, Well, this came across and it interested me.
2: Yeah
1: you know there's that so sorry, we'll go back to Malcolm X again now um in terms of the um the supporting um characters i think Delroy Lindau is incredible in this movie
2: yeah yeah his last scene he's, as well is is
1: amazing. Yeah well he's, he's in the he's just he's yeah, essentially derelict um and quite clearly yeah. had a stroke as well um mm. and the fact that that's not they don't mention that, that that's what's happened but it it Lindau Manages to pull it off so incredibly, and you go, oh, so he's had a stroke, and it's just the, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's Lindo going from being the big character to to, to, to 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 that, and having that that absolute fragility to him, but still coming across as being slightly antagonistic. He
2: does, he does kind of feel like a wounded. Lion, or something like that, and and you get
1: the feeling that Malcolm didn't quite expect to see him as broken as he was. Yeah, it is, it's, it's, it's it's an incredible film, it really is. And you you can see why um, Eva and Scorsese were so celebratory about it,
2: yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, yeah, and I mean, it does feel like a legitimately important film as well. It feels like a film that will stand up you know know, i mean like i i was welling up by the end you know all all those kids just saying i am malcolm x i am malcolm x and then mandela fucking coming like coming on It just
1: the mandela thing got me the the, i am malcolm x thing i i'll be honest i went uh a little bit that it it, 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 that felt a little bit too heavy-handed for me
2: it is heavy-handed, but then so is getting Nelson
1: Mandela on at the end. Yes, yeah, it, it is, but I, I can see the relevance of the Nelson Mandela thing. The the, the kids thing, to be honest, it, it just felt a little bit like nobody was there to say to Spike, that's not a very good idea. <laughs> um, or somebody who said Spike Lee, but he went, I want to do this, and everyone else went, that's not a very good idea. And he went, yeah, well, it's my fucking movie. Uh, yeah, which you yeah. could imagine spitefully that's
2: probably quite likely do yeah. that. um
1: but I, but I think adding the mandela thing there it, it is and especially at the end it, it it kind of sort of shares look this guy is an incredibly important um man in you know in in african american history you know yeah. just because he isn't as well known a name as Martin Luther King. Doesn't mean to say that he isn't as relevant and isn't as well regarded as Martin Luther King.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I it's going to be interesting to see if we ever get a Martin Luther King film.
1: I don't know. I, I think the reason why we haven't yet is. Is because I don't think there's anybody out there who who's wanted to actually attack that that thing, or maybe maybe with it that there just isn't enough to make a a, a a film out of. Not saying that he isn't as fascinating a character, but maybe there aren't enough big moments to, to point a film out. or maybe no one's found enough big moments to point a filmer. Mm. You know it's also interesting This this movie was um, it was originally not going to be directed by um Spike Lee. Uh, originally it was uh, Norman Jewison uh, who did uh Oh Rollerball. Did he do rollerball? Yeah rollable. Right, yeah the originally really he did yeah uh, and also as well did In the Heat of the Night um, and yeah, yeah. later on would do uh, Hurricane Uh, But one of the, you know, the big, you know, a lot was made and a lot was made by Spike Lee of the fact that Malcolm X movie was going to be made by a white director. Um, And so Spike Lee ended up getting the film. And, you know, although I don't agree with that idea that you can't, you know, that that a black man has to make a movie about an important uh, figure in black American history. Uh, I think that this film did benefit from having somebody like Spike Lee, who obviously had a lot of ideas and a lot of um, he obviously had a connection with with the character and you know he knows people and has worked with people before that knew Malcolm, so it was important to him. So yeah. I think that that comes across in the film.
2: Yeah,
1: no, absolutely, it does. Right, um, it's a definitely not shit from me.
2: Yeah, definitely not shit, Jesus yeah, Christ. it yeah. is
1: an incredible movie, uh, and I think that if you want to know something about Malcolm X and you're interested in that, I would, I would definitely recommend people watch it.
2: Solid, yeah, absolutely. Cool, are we
1: on to questions?
2: We are indeed, sir. Right. Uh, let me get them up. Uh, okie dokie. Uh at Horace Smith, Chris Ward, who would win in a fight, Danny Trejo or Jason Statham? Uh, I'd probably say yeah, that as
1: well. Yeah, it'd be a good fight and they'd go for a beer afterwards. But it'd be safe. Yeah,
2: definitely. Uh at Luke JT ninety nine, uh if Reffin and Gosling were to do another movie together in an unofficial trilogy, what would you like to see them do and what would you call the trilogy?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. I'd like to see them do a romantic comedy.
2: Uh, I'd like to see them do a horror movie where Gosling is the slasher. Oh,
1: no, I want to see that. When I say romantic comedy, by the way, it's going back to mine, although I don't want it to happen anymore. I mean, like the way that um when Lynch decided he wanted to make a romantic comedy and he made Wild at Heart. That's a good um, point. But yeah, no, horror movie with yes, yes, yes.
2: And I would call I would call it the staring trilogy. Yeah.
1: Back in done, Ian's 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 just just done the next film.
2: <laughs> Boom, nice. At discuss cinema or discuss underscore cinema, is Kurt. Um, are films too quick to uh, film fans? Sorry, too quick to react to logos and film title announcements years before the finished film is released. Without yes. question,
1: they are. Well, film fans are too quick to react to titles, directors, cast, everything. There's everything gets a reaction, Um, and I I, I know I'm as guilty as as anybody. But part of the thing about being a film fan is it's more than just what lands on the screen. But saying oh that film's gonna be terrible because you know I've seen the logo and it's shit, what? Seriously? Yeah, yeah, it's Seriously? retarded. It's retarded. That, that is, that's, yeah, it's fucking stupid. Uh,
2: at um, oh, at Nocturne and Tom DJ, uh, it's, uh Tom uh Thomas, uh, or Tom, um, who I believe is from the Better in the Dark podcast. I might be, might be wrong, I might be wrong, uh, but I don't think I am. Right. So, uh, uh, which two franchise characters would you like to see in a groin-kicking death match?
1: Question. That's an incredible question.
2: Franchise characters. Um, the one who does the funny voices in the Police Academy I've got films. On, yep, him. Uh, versus no, no. The, oh the, no, no, um, no. The funny. Oh, the the uh Hightower. No, it's Is not that his Hightower, name? Hightower. You Hightower?
1: mean um? Bear me two seconds. I'll get it. Uh, who, who's the other one? And I'll find out. This.
2: Uh, versus Nancy from the Nightmare on Elm Street
1: films. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, I like the way you've mixed it up and gone for a guy and a girl. Uh, yeah. You know, the high tower is Bubba Smith. Uh, I think you mean Michael Winslow. Mike, totally
2: mean Michael yeah. Winslow.
1: Um, oh, fucking, that's a great question. Um, franchise ones kicking each other in the crotch. Um, the Joker and Indiana Jones. I, no, that's funny. Because I, I, I think they I think both laugh a lot. I think they'd see the funny side of it.
2: Yeah, fair play. Uh, at Drash, uh, Dras, Drashig, uh this is Christopher Martin, who I believe is a uh, new uh, uh, Oscar. So welcome, welcome. Christopher. Uh, uh, what was your first movie at a cinema? Uh, first one I remember was the Disney re-release of Peter
1: Pan. Oh, I actually saw that on the re-release. Well, mine was Masters of the Universe. Solid, yeah. fuck you.
2: So,
1: do you know what? As well, it was on Boxing Day, and I was five years old, and my uncle took me to
2: see it. Very nice. Very Same uncle actually
1: you took me to see Jurassic Park as well. Very nice. Um, yeah, come.
2: Uh, lizzie beth underscore do you like marmite i, I no. do like
1: marmite lizzie we've had this conversation
2: oh yes friend yes lizzie's a friend oh, okay fair enough. I, I like um, marmite and i also apologize. like
1: vegemite in fact i probably prefer vegemite to marmite
2: more than i ever needed to know <laughs> uh at very cinematic uh mark's got jungle fever ian's got jungle fever they've got jungle fever Who's the hottest black man in Hollywood?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Uh, Um, hmm. Hottest black dude in...
2: Danny Glover. He's not too old for this shit.
1: Yeah, he's he's an attractive man. Um,
2: Serious answer, Anthony Mackie. I was about to
1: say Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie is a good-looking guy, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah. Anthony Mackie. Yeah, I'll go with that. Uh, uh, oh, no, 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 no. We forgot someone. <laughs> Terry Crews. I'll
2: stick with Anthony right,
1: Mackie.
2: Terry Crews. Be fucking just terrible, just yeah. simply
1: for the fact that we talked about it. Not, I don't think we talked about it we talked about it like, face-to-face uh, last week. Um, that thing that Terry Cruz went to his son's school dressed as his character through Radio Chats yeah. and 2 is incredible. Yeah, that's pretty solid. That's wonderful. That is that just... What a guy. Uh, I think that's it for questions. I believe it is, uh, sir. Right, cool. Um, that's the end of the show, I think, isn't it, Ian? It is, indeed. I <laughs> I said that um... like a Charles TV presenter. <laughs>
2: Yeah, the end of the Um, so next week we're doing Francis Hart, as, as, uh, yes, as long as we both get to see it. as long as we both get seat,
1: we're doing Francis Hart. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh Francis Hart. You're not going to be hearing a review of the Wolverine on uh, on this show. Um, yeah,
1: because I, I, I'll be honest, uh, I, I, I'll see it, but I, I don't need to see it on the big screen.
2: Yeah. Um I I I will see it on the big screen, but I can't say I'm particularly looking forward to it, but you know, it might be fun. Uh next part of the oh, actually fuck me, your are Yeah, the thing, next next on. part
1: of our Nelson Nelson Mandela <laughs> it's not, is it? <laughs> the next, the next nice. part of our spike early uh, marathon is Clockers, I believe. Sweet. Um looking forward to that. Check that. I, I'm pretty sure it is Clockers. Um great film uh, from what I remember but obviously I haven't watched it in 17 or 18 years so it might turn nice. out to be shite uh, but then again you've got yeah, you've got a great cast so we'll get to that but it's I'm very much looking forward to a, a revisit of that um, any sort of feedback uh, would be very greatly received uh, at dude and the monkey on twitter dude and the monkey at gmail.com at ian loring at Dude force iTunes reviews are always greatly received, uh, both UK and US. Uh, Ian, anything else you have to add? Uh, no,
2: nah, mate, I'm done. Uh, thanks for listening. As yeah, always, cool, folks. thanks for listening,
1: people, and we shall speak to you next week.